0: Hello everyone and welcome to the I Am Vinyl podcast. My name is Pete and this is the latest venture here at cnjradio.com of which I am glad to be a part of. After a series of delays in trying to get this podcast started we decided to go with a new format which I had proposed to Joey who many of you know from the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. Simply put, we did attempt to record a few episodes. We had numerous audio issues and Skype issues, which I don't want to bore you all with. And uh, not to mention just scheduling issues between Joey and I. I'm from Brooklyn, and he's from Texas, so there we had a little bit of the time difference, plus his work schedule versus my work schedule, and we just simply couldn't align where we felt like we were going to be able to record episodes consistently. And given a lot of the audio problems we were having, I suggested we start this with solo episodes and some roundtables. And in the meantime, once we get some of the audio issues settled with Skype or possibly find another way to do this where Joey and I can get together on some episodes, we're still planning on doing episodes together. But for now... We're going to go this route where Joey and I are going to do some individual podcasts. And we're going to get some roundtable discussions together, as I mentioned earlier. And I I think it should be an interesting and fun venture here. So I hope you'll all enjoy it and stick around for the ride as we venture into this podcast. So I'm not going to bore you too much more with any of this technical stuff and all this audio issues and garbage. So let's just get to who I am and why the hell I'm here. So I was born in 76, a pretty damn good year, and I vividly remember becoming a major music fan early and probably around four or five years old. I have vivid memories of going to record stores with my father as he would pick up new albums at the time. Most notably, I still remember it clear as day, like it was yesterday, that We went to a store that's no longer here in the uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn area called Record Factory. And he bought Pink Floyd's The Wall. Now, this was probably in early 1980. So I was about to turn four years old. So I remember us coming home from Record Factory, and he had uh, the wall in a paper bag. And it had the Record Factory logo and a bunch of vinyl all over the the bag in blueprint i still remember all this and he took the cellophane off the record which i wouldn't generally do these days myself but uh he opened the record and i clearly remember seeing the inside of the cover seeing gerald scarf's artwork and you know he put the records on and i'm, I'm sure I, I probably sat there and listened a little bit But this is the point in my life where I remember that I became a music fan more than likely because soon after that, it wouldn't be too long before I'd have my own little stack of records, LPs and 45s. We had a bunch of records in our basement that were playable or somewhat damaged or really, really damaged. And a lot of that stuff ended up in my lap once I got my own little record player, probably around four or five years old. Like many of you listening, I had the, the Fisher-Price little beige record player with the cover. And so I remember mostly having the, this set of records, which always comes to mind whenever I tell this story to anybody. But the first initial set of records I had were records such as Led Zeppelin III, Bob Marley's Exodus, Harry Nielsen, Nielsen Smilsen. I vividly remember other records, such as a live Johnny Cash record, Steppenwolf's Monster, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, and I may have even had like a Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits. The album covers always stick with me in my mind, and I had you know a stack of 45s. So a lot of them weren't very playable, but I remember going through a lot of the the Motown and Gordy 45s that were were downstairs in our basement. I would just play any of these things just because I was just so into the whole notion of playing these records and and listening to all, all this music, and pretty much from there, I eventually started getting my own records, and so some of the records that I remember getting initially that I can call my very own, besides the ones that I had mentioned in the uh, little hand-me-down pile, had 45 singles such as Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, with one of my turns as the B-side, which, you know, imagining me as a four or five year old listening to one of my turns especially, it's just pretty mind-boggling, but I did it repeatedly, and I also had 45s at that time, a few more Columbia artists, I had uh, Men at Work, Overkill, I do remember that one, and I had an Africa, Toto, uh, 45, but it was one of those one-sided 45s that had the frosting on the back. And, you know, of course, you're you're a dopey little curious kid, and you put the needle on the B-side with the frost, and, you know, I probably did some damage to that needle, but just little dopey things like that that I, that I tend to remember. And I remember around probably fifth or sixth birthday, given the year of release of these singles, I got as a birthday present from probably my father and brother. I got some 45s, such as Jay Giles' band, Centerfold, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts, I Love Rock and Roll, The Go Go's, We Got the Beat. In addition to all these, I was also given by my older brother and older cousins all their Kiss records. So put this into context this is about 1981, 1982. KISS was not very popular, and many KISS fans know that era. It's the Elder, it's Creatures of the Night, and they were going through a a really, really big slump, so I was one of those little kids that became a KISS fan around that time, like so many people, because the records were handed down by their older teenage brothers or cousins because, well, you you know, we can't listen to KISS you know, it's not cool to listen to kiss. So I inherited all those records. And so I point to that and the hand me down records that, that I had inherited from the downstairs damage pile, whatever you want to call it. That's pretty much how I became the music fan and enthusiast that I am now, which is led us here today to, to this podcast. In addition to that, a little more about me. I'm also a musician. I'm currently playing in a band called Spacebeard, Um, the lead vocalist and guitar player. We're a trio based here in Brooklyn, New York. We actually just started the band back up a few months ago after we were on hiatus for almost two years. So I'm pretty excited about that, to be back doing that, in addition to being the music and vinyl nerd that you're listening to right now. In my past, I also played in some notable bands as a drummer. I played and toured with No Redeeming Social Value from 1996 almost through 1998 and played in a bunch of hardcore bands and up until around 2003-2004 when I started Spacebeard. And that's pretty much what I've been doing ever since in terms of music with the on and off project here and there. But... I've been playing music in and out of bands since 1990, 1991-ish. Over the years, and in doing that, that's obviously opened me up to a lot more music and getting into a lot more outside my comfort zone that I had built up for myself for so many years in my youth. So that's pretty much the long and short of my story. And, you know, I encourage anybody listening, you got any questions you'd like to ask... And just anything else about my background or anything like that, feel free to ask. Always happy to answer anybody's questions. And I figured, as Joey and I talked about when we initially tried to do our pilot episodes, we wanted to give everybody a little introductory as to who we are and how we got to this point. And I figured I'd also, with this little introductory, I'd I figured I would get into some recent records that I had picked up. And specifically, since we're not too far off from it, I thought I would talk about the recent Record Store Day from April 13th of this year, 2019, and just talk about the records that I had picked up and a couple more that I'm actually still waiting for. And again, just as I said before, I encourage anybody, if you wanna get on our I Am Vinyl Facebook page and get in on this discussion, Tell us which picks you had for 2019's Record Store Day. So, without further ado, I'm just going to get into the records that I had picked up so far for the 2019 Record Store Day. I couldn't attend on the day, as I had to rehearse with Spacebeard. There was no way I was going to want to cancel that, as we had a show that just passed a few weeks ago, so we wanted to be fully prepared. And thankfully, my co-host and cohort here on I Am Vinyl, Mr. Joey Haney. He was kind enough to go to some of the local stores in Texas and pick up some records along with his wife, Nola, which again, thank you both. So some of those records were via the Texas Connection, and then I picked up some at a local New York City store. And, you know, unfortunately, which I generally don't want to do, but in this case, I really had to and wanted to, I used Discogs to pick up the rest of my picks that I currently have. And right now, I'm just waiting on a couple more that I ordered from Amazon because, quite frankly, I wanted to pay a list price for as many of these as possible and not deal with so much of the gouging. Anyway, so let's get into these records. So the first one, I'll start in alphabetical order. And I've opened some of these already, so I, I may have some running commentary as I go through these. But... First one I picked up here is the self-titled Frank Black Album. And this one is on orange vinyl. Uh, I did play this one, and as I mentioned on my post, most notably about the uh, debut from Frank Black is the first song, Los Angeles. And being a big Beavis and Butthead fan in the 90s, that show actually exposed me. To that song and to Frank Black. I had never even heard the Pixies at that point, so the the Pixies would come a lot later, and I would I would get into them as well. But this is was actually the, the first thing I ever heard from Frank Black.
1: I met a man, he was a good man sailing and shoring, dancing the beta can in the far end ah oh, yeah <laughs> You should go get some light bulbs and stuff and stop on it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea, Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the vinyl itself, I, I did open it and I did play it. I do wish it could be a little bit louder, but I I do understand that times with certain records, they're pressed this way. And thankfully, I have a a decent system that I can crank it up and it doesn't really have that rumbling issue with my turntable and doesn't cause the needle to to jump or skip or anything like that. So I would definitely recommend the Frank Black album to anybody who's a fan, if you could still pick it up. I think there were about 4,000 of these made, so it's probably one of the uh, easier ones that you could still find in the store. And with this, I actually have it tucked in the sleeve here until I can file all these away properly like I'd like. Uh, it's another one I also opened. It's 7-inch for Bear Religions, My Sanity, which is from the latest album that just came out this past Friday as I'm recording this, The Age of Unreason. Now, this was another one that I also opened. The B-side is Chaos from Within. And if you're a Bare Religion fan, I can't see why you wouldn't like this 7-inch and really, Why You Wouldn't Like the Album, as I'm waiting for my vinyl copy of that one to arrive. This was another one that uh, I would highly recommend, and sounded great. And so let's go to the next one. So the next one here that I'm holding in my hands is one that, just like Volumes 1 and 2, I had to order them from Discogs. Impossible to find in New York City for whatever reason. I don't know what it is with this band in New York City, It's Cheap Trick, The Epic Archives, Volume 3, 1984 to 1992, and it's on double red flame red vinyl, limited to 2,000 copies. This one I opened too and posted on I Am Vinyl, and I really enjoyed this one as well. It sounds amazing. Every single cut sounds great. There was not a single flaw. I, I couldn't recommend this one enough to a Cheap Trick fan. It's got all the soundtrack songs in between 84 and 92, and... What I like about this is it's got the the single versions of certain songs and alternate mixes. So you get the single versions such as The Flame, the big new mix of Don't Be Cruel, for anybody who remembers hearing those. And one of my favorites on this album is their cover of Magical Mystery Tour, which is my favorite Beatles record. So just like I said with the Frank Black record, I couldn't recommend this one enough. So let's go to the next one. this is a good one. I just opened this one a few days ago. Alice Cooper's Dirty Diamonds on Clear Blood Splatter Vinyl. This one, only 900 copies were pressed, which I was shocked that Joey was able to pick this one up for me at uh, Good Records in Texas a few days after Record Store Day. That just blew my mind. I would have never thought of this only having 900 copies, that there would be any left a few days later. I hadn't actually heard this album in quite a while, probably off my iTunes or off my iPod. This record is great. And again, like the cheap trick, it, it sounds amazing. It, there's not a single flaw on this. And, and just for Kiss fans, I, I didn't realize until I looked at the liner notes that Eric Singer plays on this record. So if you could find this, I couldn't recommend this one enough too. Uh, Alice Cooper, Dirty Diamonds. Definitely pick this one up if you can. So let's go to the next one. And the next one, ah, the Spaceman, Ace Frehley, Spaceman on picture disc. I don't remember how many of these were pressed at the moment. I want to say it was a few thousand of them. I actually picked this one up at a local store and Joey picked up a copy for me, but I wanted to have two copies just in case. And you know, being it's limited and being a KISS fan, I also figure, you know, down the line, if it's something I want to use in a trade for a vinyl that I am really looking for uh, in terms of my Kiss collection, I could always maybe use it for something like that or just simply have a nice backup copy. I have not opened this one to play it yet. I've heard the album quite a bit since its release, so, you know, it's a picture disc. It does look nice. But generally, the, the Ace Frehley records lately on vinyl haven't been the highest of quality. So, I kind of know what to expect with this one. But just on a visual standpoint, this is a great looking picture disc. Uh, they used the, the second alternate album cover that had come out, I believe it was for a record store crawl day back in October. So, uh, I was a big fan of that, that they, they chose that. And it comes with a poster and it's just very nicely packaged. Uh, unlike some of the more recent Ace Fraley picture discs where they were housed in these awfully shitty. Plastic sleeves that were not very durable. This one is actually much much better. So I hope he continues this trend With uh, future picture disc releases So let's go to the next one So the next one is another one I have not yet to open. I do plan on opening soon And it's green day live at woodstock. I have not heard this set. I have not seen this set Probably in over 20 years But this was definitely one that I wanted to add as I have the American idiot Record Store Day edition, the Black, White, and Red, which <laughs> I haven't even opened that one yet. And Joey's going to be like, Dude, you got to open your records. <laughs> I know, Joey. I know. It's going to happen. I swear it's going to happen. But, yeah, so I picked this one up, and um, this this uh, Green Day record I actually had to order from Discogs. I could not find this one. So it is what it is. I, I did pay around list price. It wasn't uh, too much of a price gouge fest. So I'm very happy about that. You know, in terms of Discogs, I really did try to avoid paying way too much for each record, you know, just because. Even though I wanted the records, I didn't want to be ridiculous and spend tons of money, you know, just so somebody can line their pockets for basically being a jerk. Anyway, so also sitting in this uh, record is another 7-inch that I picked up, which I also have to open and spin and uh let me just take this out of here so i can see what uh, is on the b side and it's the motorhead rockaway beach seven inch i'm a big ramones fan so this one was a priority that i had to have i had to order this one from discogs as well and this was shipped probably uh, this was shipped from germany if i'm not mistaken and it arrived in perfect condition so it has their version of rockaway beach obviously as the a side the B-side is Ramones, Live at Wacken, 2006. And what I'm a big fan of with this 7-inch is it's their tribute to the Road to Ruin record, which is my favorite Ramones record of all time and one of my favorite album covers of all time. So they went with that with this Motorhead 7-inch. So very glad to own this one, and it will get opened and spun and posted to I on Vinyl at some point, hopefully in the near future. All right, let's go to the next one. Oh, this one was fun. This was the first of my online orders to arrive, and um, I don't think there were very many of these made either. I think there was maybe a little over 1,000 or 2,000, not very many of these. It is Green Jellies' Serial Killer soundtrack. Yes, the infamous Three Little Pigs band that many people would refer them as. But, yeah, the record is a goof. The band was a bit of a goof, but the record is pretty fun, and uh, I was glad to add this one. And just for the gimmick factor, this record is uh, a clear with uh, Glow-in-the-Dark splatter. Only issue is is I tried to check out the Glow-in-the-Dark effect, and it's not very strong. Not like uh, some of the other Glow-in-the-Dark vinyl that I own. But regardless, I-, I was glad to add this one to my collection. As like I said, it- it's a cool record to listen to once in a while if you want to have a few laughs. So, Green Jelly, Serial Killer. I would definitely recommend it, but it's really, really expensive if you try to find that one online right now. So, hopefully, if you're if you're a fan of the record and you weren't able to get it, you'll stumble upon one in a store or somebody will hook you up somehow or you can get it in a trade. But I would definitely recommend it if you were a fan of the band. So, let's go to the next one. The next one is one that I've also yet to open. And it's the band I just mentioned before is one of my f- all-time favorite bands, and it is The Ramones, Live at the Palladium, New York, New York, December 31st, 1979. So this vinyl is basically the counterpart to the super deluxe 40th anniversary edition of Road to Ruin that came out last year, that has the, the remixed record and the three additional CDs that contain um, a whole bunch of rarities and alternate mixes. And this live show is is one of the discs. So I have picked up the Record Store Day editions of the more recent Ramones records from Black Friday, Record Store Day in 2018, and April two thousand eighteen. is Record Store Day as well. So just keeping in in line with um, trying to have all these in my collection. This one's also numbered and... 8,500 of these were made. It says it right here on the hype sticker. So I actually found this one in a store a few days after Record Store Day quite easily. There was plenty of copies. So if you're a Ramones fan, the chances of finding this one is probably easy. And if I know the Ramones and what they've done over the past few years, they're going to make this available on their website at some point, probably a month or so after Record Store Day has passed. So I would definitely recommend picking this up. It looks great. Certainly feels heavy and it's just a great show so i would definitely recommend picking this one up so let's move on let's see what we have here now the next one and two here are from one particular band i think it's a band that some people know about it's the rolling stones first one big hits, high tide and green grass essentially big hits volume one and uh, i have yet to open these stones records but it's going to happen at some point soon as well So this first one here is on 180 gram green colored vinyl. And then number two is Big Hits, Through the Past Darkly. And Stones fans know that the album cover is uh, very uniquely shaped. So they've, they've brought that back. And with this one, you have 180 gram orange colored vinyl. So pretty excited to check these out and see how they sound. I actually picked up an original London Records edition of Big Hits Volume 2 a few years ago at Princeton Record Exchange, and that copy sounds amazing. It was like the owner never even played the damn thing. So the next one I picked up here is, oh, this is another one actually from the uh, the Texas connection of uh, Joey and Nola. They picked this one up for me as well. It's the Rush Hemispheres picture disc. This one I've yet to open as well. It's a picture disc, so, it's just not one of those high priorities in terms of opening it and seeing how it sounds, simply put, because it's a picture disc. And I'm a pretty big Rush fan, so it's just one of those things that I really wanted to have in my collection. When the 200-gram Rush records were announced a few years ago, I picked up all of them. It was just That was just a, a given. I had to get those. So it's pretty much in line with that. I, w- I really wanted to add this to my uh, already existing Rush collection. So, all right, let's move on to... Uh... Another two for, for one band and two records. Uh, these have both been opened and both are great. Both sound great and quite fun. And it's the first one here is Weezer, Dusty Gems and Raw Nuggets. I believe there were a few thousand of these made. This one is on blue marbled vinyl. And uh, for those who know about Weezer and are fans, or those of you who aren't really aware of what this record is, this was taken from the 2004 cd deluxe edition of the weezer blue album so it has all the b-sides acoustic live stuff and even the original album mix which ends this album of say it ain't so which i was a big fan of that being placed on vinyl since my two copies of the blue record both have the the newer updated version of say it Ain't so which interestingly The original Blue Album CD that I bought originally back in uh, probably mid-July or early August of 94, it does have the original version of Say It Ain't So. And then later on, I I did pick up uh, a Say It Ain't So import CD single at Tower Records, which I figured would have the newer version that I kept hearing in the video where I was like, what's with this feedback? I never heard this before. Where's this coming from? This is a new version, I guess. So... Yeah, very cool that they, they put this out on vinyl. So I would definitely recommend this for any Weezer fan. And the second one for Weezer, which I'm sure a lot of you are aware of and probably have already, either on CD or possibly on this nicely colored vinyl, it's the Teal album, the all-covers album that they announced earlier this year. And when that thing was announced and and put on the streaming sites and on Spotify and all, I immediately said, this thing is gonna be a record store day edition on teal vinyl, no doubt. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So again, I opened both of these and both sound excellent. And if you could find these, I would definitely recommend picking them up. So before I get to the the last LP that I have in hand that I'm not waiting on, I'm gonna do one more seven inch. And this one goes back to the Probably early 90s, I would say 1990, this was recorded. It had been issued on a compilation several years back, and it was uh, decided to become a Record Store Day edition, and it's for hardcore fans that are, that are listening. It's The Youth of Today, One Night Stand 7-inch, backed with Anarchy in Vienna. Now, for those of you listening and are wondering, what the hell is Anarchy in Vienna? Okay, so if you're a Youth of Today fan and you have that infamous Lost and Found CD or picture disc vinyl, which, oh shit, I happen to own both of those. I I forgot I had the picture disc until now. If you have that live CD that Lost and Found Records put out, it's Anarchy in Vienna from that CD. So it's kind of a throwaway, but it's fun. I was just glad to get this version of One Night Stand on, on vinyl which I didn't even know until this 7-inch was announced, was actually a fucking Partridge Family song. (laughs) That just blew my mind. But I did open and play this one. This one I actually found a few days after Record Store Day in the same store that I picked up the Ramones and the Frank Black. I was shocked to find a copy of this, uh, to be honest, in in New York City with all the the hardcore fans that would have been looking for this. But I suppose it's one of those stores they wouldn't have thought to look in because there were a couple of copies left. So, again, I would definitely recommend this. If you're a Youth of Today fan and a completist, definitely pick this one up. It's on pink vinyl. It, it sounds really, really good.
1: Every night, a different it town, see my song. It's the I sing, the my face, A different space, another place, I never get to now. And when I stand, another... I let go to the block and then die. Pull it down, pull around, the, the real way But if I could do what I want to, escape, My kids they love me But i never fucking felt fall for the class. We're all gone and all I've done But i close friend totally none I know not what Come on, hello I got a go I hope you understand A one-night man is all I am Come hello I got A go. one-night stand.
0: So lastly, of uh, the LPs that I have in hand that I'm not waiting on currently, this one was delivered late last week. I opened it to play. I hadn't heard this in quite a while off my CDs, and it's the Howard Stern Private Parts of the Album soundtrack on double limited edition blue vinyl. Uh, this also sounds incredibly great. There was not very many of these made. I think only... 1,500 to 2,000. Not very many of these made, but one of the things that I have to say is I, I forgot how how good this soundtrack actually is for whatever reason. I don't think I really listened to this one as much back in the day when I when I picked up the CD. Uh, I was a big Howard Stern fan. I, I listened all the time. Uh, I was looking forward to the movie. I thought the movie was great, but this this soundtrack just wasn't one of those that I listened to an awful lot, but when I listened to this vinyl, I thought, wow, I, uh, I underestimated how good and fun this uh, soundtrack actually is. So, again, I have to say, if, if this is one that you could manage to find, I and you're a Howard Stern fan and, and just a soundtrack fan in general, this is a very good soundtrack. And plus, it's got movie clips throughout the album, as well as scenes that weren't even used in the movie or alternate takes of scenes that were used in the movie, which in the case of the howard stern experience (laughs) smoke on the water i was really hoping for the actual scene from the movie Uh, my name is howard stern on the howard stern experience and if you love music you'll love deep purple on (coughs) tbu It just makes me crack up all the time. Yeah, so again, that's that's a record that I would highly recommend anybody pick up. So now I'm waiting on two more 2019 Record Store Day editions. As I mentioned before, I had placed orders with Amazon for list price. It's one of those deals where it says we'll, we'll ship in within one to two months. I have yet to have an instance where that hasn't happened, where they have that estimated shipping time and it's hasn't shipped, so those are actually scheduled to possibly ship within possibly next week, if not early June. So one happens to be another soundtrack, and the other, which I'll talk about now, that I'm waiting on, Pink Floyd's A Sorcerer Full of Secrets, the mono edition on 180-gram vinyl. So as a, a longtime Pink Floyd fan, I'm... Definitely looking forward to adding that to my Pink Floyd vinyl collection. I did pick up the mono edition of the Piper at the Gates of Dawn back in April of 2018. Lastly, the final Record Store Day edition that I'm waiting for via Amazon, along with the Pink Floyd Sorcerer Full of Secrets mono edition, is the white and black double vinyl version of the Crow soundtrack. For some reason, there were 8,000 of these made, and impossible to find in any stores locally I called a few stores and was just told this this was one that many people were asking about plenty of them on the online market but the prices are just absolutely ridiculous for this thing so I was not about to pay a hundred dollars plus for the crow soundtrack much as I think is it's a good soundtrack and there's a lot of stuff on there that I'd like to have on vinyl I just think that's ridiculous so I happened to see that Amazon was selling it. It had that same scenario of will arrive one to two months or so, but it had the Amazon prime logo and it had it for list price, thirty four ninety eight. So I took a chance and I placed the order. And again, it's, it's another one that's slated to arrive possibly next week, if not early June. And as I've said, historically with Amazon, with orders such as that I've, always had those orders fulfilled with one exception, but it was a completely different scenario. It was one of those temporarily out of stock, order now and we'll ship it to you as soon as possible when it arrives, whatever. And that was the only time that that ever happened. So I'm pretty confident that these two Record Store Day editions that I ordered from Amazon will arrive at some point soon. But if not, then uh, I will try to find them online or maybe somebody at somebody will have them somehow at a local shop or i'll happen to stumble upon one in in a store in jersey or something like that so that wraps up my little discussion here on the 2019 record store day editions that i've picked up and or am waiting on so i hope you enjoyed that little run through of my picks for this year for the april 2019 record store day edition and we shall see what happens with Black Friday of 2019 and what's in store for us. Usually Black Friday tends to be a little less enticing in terms of the list. In addition to uh, talking about the Black Friday records, I I thought I'd briefly go into some more recent records that I had picked up that are outside of Record Store Day that I just felt would be interesting and fun to talk about. So um, I'm going to start in order of ...somewhat in order of purchase, I guess. A few months back, I picked this one up. This is another one that I had to order online from an overseas online record store. Somebody on I Am Vinyl posted this one up. This was one that I really wanted to get on the special edition colored vinyl, rather than buy the double black vinyl. And it's Anthrax's State Euphoria on yellow and red vinyl. This thing sounds incredibly great way better than the original vinyl that I have uh, from Columbia House. And it contains the B-sides and a live version of Antisocial Live at Hammersmith, Odeon. Notably, the the B-sides were also put on that P. Nicafessin EP that was released overseas, which I also have a copy of that in my collection, thanks to my brother buying that for me many years ago for my birthday. And... So the additional songs, aside from the record, you have Antisocial in French, the Sex Pistols, Friggin' in the Riggin', done in Anthrax's own special way with with their own roadies. Their excellent version of Kiss's Parasite, which is probably one of my top favorite Kiss covers of all time. Uh, It's got their cover of Le Sex and Pipeline as well. And in addition to what I mentioned before, which was the live version of Antisocial from the Hammersmith Odeon. So, if you're an Anthrax fan, you probably already have this on the the deluxe edition CD, or you have it on black vinyl. But if if you could find this yellow and red edition, I would highly recommend it as well. I was very very pleased with how it sounded, and I mean, obviously how it looks. So let's go to the next one. This is a, a record that I received on Christmas Day from my older brother Vin, and. It's, uh, it's an album I hadn't really heard in a long time. Being a Beatles fan, I was obviously interested in hearing it, and hearing it on this nice double 180-gram vinyl was certainly interesting for me, and it's Imagine by John Lennon. So this one has the original album remixed as the first record, and then the, the second record, you get several demos and outtakes, this one was just really really good i couldn't have been more um pleased with how it sounded and it's just an excellent record in general so if you could find this one definitely pick up the uh, double vinyl remix edition of john lennon's imagine okay so let's go to the next set of records which i actually see i'm going to talk about all three of these because it's one band this band was essentially recommended to me just via a friend's Facebook post, and it's a friend who is going to be a future contributor to the I Am Vinyl podcast whenever I get around to doing some roundtable discussions that uh, he'll be involved in, Mr. Joe Malazzo. So I'm thanking you for this again before I talk about them, and it's a band out of Fresno, California called Haunt. For those of you who've never heard of Haunt, I would describe them pretty much as Joe had described them to me when I asked him about them on his post. He posted up their debut LP, Burst Into Flame, on his own Facebook page. And I saw the album cover and the band's logo and I was just and the vinyl itself. And I was just intrigued. And I asked him, I said, so what do these guys sound like? And so he came back saying a blend of Thin Lizzy and Iron Maiden, new wave of British heavy metal stuff. So... Me being a a huge Iron Maiden fan and and also really, really liking the the Thin Lizzy stuff, which that's a band I really need to get some more vinyl of, I ordered their uh, debut LP, Burst Into Flame. Uh, I ordered the half-and-half orange and red edition, and immediately, as soon as I heard this record, uh, I I became a fan. And I would also tack on a few other influences that I, I feel are here with this band, Haunt. There's... Definitely a, a huge Jakey Lee era Ozzy sound throughout their their music, which yeah I suppose it could be a little closely identical. But I mean, really, it's 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 really really tough in this in this day and age to be a hundred percent original. So I tend to put a band like Haunt in that category. So the three records I'm holding in hand are the, the debut EP, Luminous Eyes. This one is a tri-color, which I really like. I, I've posted this on the I Am Vinyl Facebook page, and it's on this electric blue, piss yellow, orange, crush vinyl. Great debut EP to, to showcase these guys. So I couldn't recommend it enough. And then, as I mentioned before, the, the debut LP Burst Into Flame on half-and-half half orange and red vinyl. Um, I could not recommend this one enough as well. Just, just some great songs. I would definitely recommend Burst Into Flame. I think I'm gonna play the track Looking Glass off of this one. So, let's go to the next Haunt album, and it's actually their latest album, If Icarus Could Fly, and this one is on a mustard and red with black splatter. Really good record, really good follow-up to Burst Into Flame. promising newer band that I would definitely recommend to to metal fans that are looking for something that's new, uh, a newer band. I, I, you know, we, we tend to get locked into listening to a lot of the older bands all the time. I'm trying to get myself out of that mode as much as possible in checking out some newer bands that are recommended to me, or if, if I see an album cover that intrigues me, uh, I might be apt to listen to it on Spotify. And then if I like it, um, gonna pick it up so with that i'm gonna go to the next record which is one of those records and bands that i did pick up on thanks to a friend and spotify and um it's another friend that's going to be a contributor to the i am vinyl podcast with some roundtable discussions he also happens to be a longtime friend of well over 25 to 30 years actually 30 years it is 30 years we've been friends holy shit um and he's also in spacebeard he's the bass player of spacebeard my good friend andrea verdorame he recommended me this band while listening to spotify it's a uk band and they've been around for a little while as i came to find out just going through the spotify discography they've been around for five six years reading into them it, it seems they were childhood friends that, that eventually grew into a band. And this band is called Puppy. Now, I know some of you are saying, Puppy? What the hell is this going to be like? Trust me, when I was told about this band, I, I-, I chuckled. I said, Puppy? <laughs> okay. But as it was explained to me, like a modern-day helmet, Deftones, tones, and even strangely, some Enough's Enough. If you listen to the vocals and you, and you listen to some of the Enough's Enough stuff, it's just, it's, it's, eerie how close uh, the vocalist of puppy sounds to donny v at times not so much musically i'm talking vocally but there's also a, what i believe is a little bit of a, of a of a new york hardcore influence in certain instances where i feel like maybe a, a a brooklyn band such as indecision that was around 20 plus years ago and and touring all over and touring the uk I feel like these were these guys were young kids that went to see Indecision, and some of that even bled into their music later on. But this is just a great record. It's probably my favorite record of the year right now, as I've been mentioning on some other pages. This is one I'm definitely going to have to play a track from, so I think I'm going to play some Handlebars. check out there and see what you think and maybe you'll be interested enough to go pick up that record. Oh and I should have mentioned and failed to mention that the copy I have here is a limited edition pink colored vinyl. Uh, I don't know how many of these were made but uh, this was one that I easily ordered on Amazon. You can get it pretty easily. I had it delivered in a few days so hopefully it's still available at this point if not on black vinyl. But, you know, I know this is a vinyl podcast, but I suppose if you can't find the vinyl, pick up the CD. The CD sounds incredible as well. So let's go to the next one. This one was recommended by another person who's probably going to be a contributor to this I Am Vinyl podcast via some roundtable discussions. His name is Mike Scandato, notably of the band The Last Stand and Inhuman formerly in confusion for those hardcore fans listening that remember as far back as the uh, early to mid 90s he posted up his copy and i was aware of this but once i saw his his copy and he was raving about it i i immediately ordered it and i had to order it from one of those overseas online stores as well i wanted to save a little bit of money because it was a little overpriced on amazon i just didn't feel like it was you know, something I wanted to pay $40 for, so I I went with the close to $30 price. And it's the Killing Joke self-titled record that features Dave Grohl on drums, and this is on double flaming orange-yellowish vinyl. 2,500 copies of these were made. It's also numbered. I have number 609 here. I hadn't listened to this record in quite a while until I had picked up this vinyl, and man... Is this record great? And just made me think that I spent way too much time ignoring my CD version of this. This had came out originally in 2003. So if you're a Killing Joke fan, you probably have this already and you probably know its greatness. If you're a Dave Grohl fan and just one of those fans that tries to get as many of the albums and projects he's been involved in, I couldn't recommend this one enough as well. This thing sounds incredibly great. Okay, so let's move on. There's a few more left. Uh, Oh, this next one. Uh, This is going to be a few records from this band. Big fan of this band for a long time. Thanks in part to uh, the brother of Andrea Verderame that I mentioned before, his older brother Frank. Uh, He got me into bad religion back in, I want to say, early 93. I think we were watching Headbangers Ball. And they premiered or debuted the video for American Jesus. The video for American Jesus came on and we're watching Headbangers Ball on on my VHS because I, I would be typically one of those guys that would uh, record it and fall asleep, or just record it in general while I'm watching it, and you know then you know, I'd have friends come over the next day and we'd watch the videos and newer videos that we were excited about, and so the Bad Religion video came on and he was really excited about it and and you know pretty much from there I was like wow well these guys are really fucking good and. I picked up the Recipe for Hate CD soon after, which had been new at the time, so I I picked up the original Epitaph version before they were signed on to Atlantic Records, and then that record was subsequently reissued by Atlantic Records. But I'm not going to talk about that record yet. I'm going to talk about another one, a really infamous record that they still refuse to reissue properly, as in... Uh, worldwide, as in that every fan can get it, I found out about this just by chance, just by one of those things where I'm I'm getting my tax refund, and I'm thinking, let me just see how much an original copy is, just for the sake of seeing, because maybe I'll find a copy that's not so out of what I'm willing to spend, just because I really wanted to have an original copy of this instead of a a CDR and a, a really good MP3 edition in my iTunes. and. It's the second full-length Bear Religion album called Into the Unknown. Now, the copies that I have here, yes, I have two copies. I decided to order a second one that I'm going to probably keep sealed just in, you know, just as a collector's piece because I have to figure this is pretty rare and I don't know how many of these were made, but in 2018 I came to find out thanks to Discogs that they they repressed this record as a fan club edition. So, if you were signed to the fan club This was a record you had an opportunity to get, so for whatever reason, with this record being what it is, and Bear Religion pretty much still to this day shunning it for what it is, I was absolutely shocked that I was able to find this rather easily on Discogs and for 20 bucks, sealed. So I couldn't help but pick up uh, two copies. I've always liked this record, so, I mean, I get why Bear Religion distanced themselves from it and why a lot of fans hate it, but I really think it's a good record. So, if you're a Bear Religion fan and you hadn't known about this until I just told you about it, check out Discogs. See if they have some copies left, and definitely pick one up. So, sticking with the Bear Religion stuff, I did pick up a few more Bear Religion records recently. And the first one is the one that I mentioned before that... Pretty much got me into the band, and it's uh, Recipe for Hate. The reissue of Recipe for Hate is what I'm holding in my hand here. This one definitely sounds good. It's a l- slight little bit of a, of a flaw to me. It, I feel like, given the recording quality and all, I felt like the vinyl pressing could have been a little bit better. But for what it's worth, $18. Perfect album. One of my favorites of the 90s. Easily one of my top favorite Bear Religion records. I would definitely recommend it if if you haven't purchased it on vinyl yet. And then the second one here is their final record for Atlantic Records at the time in 2000. And it's the reissue of The New America. I've always found this record to be pretty good. I know some others really don't like it. Joe (laughs) Malazzo. But I think this is a, a pretty good record. And listening to it recently, I can hear some of the flaws, and I can understand um, why it's not highly regarded. In terms of the Atlantic Records albums, it's probably one of my least favorites, but I still think it's a pretty good quality record. So Bear Religion, New America, I would I would definitely recommend picking up this one as well. All the Bear Religion LPs are are very very fairly priced, usually under twenty dollars. So let's move on. I got two more here. And Once again, it's a twofer from another band. This one I recently got from my birthday from my brother Vincent and uh, What's significant about this one is it contains a track From one of the uh, white whale records. Joey likes to talk about, you know, what's your white whale records that you're looking for? Well, if you're a KISS fan most of you are probably looking for a copy of Sonic Boom because That damn thing is not available anywhere, and it's fucking expensive as hell to try to find an original copy. So when this new Kiss World double vinyl edition was announced, and I had a look at the track listing, and side D, track 4, contains the lead track from Sonic Boom, Modern Day Delilah, This was definitely one of those that I wanted to add simply because I have every KISS record on vinyl except for Sonic Boom, and I just want to hear something from that record and how it sounds on vinyl. And I'm hoping that this is a sign that Sonic Boom might see a reissue in some form or fashion once they can get out of that ridiculous uh, exclusive deal with Walmart. So I did open this one, And it's a really interesting track listing. You know, it leads off with Crazy Crazy Nights, which, great lead-off song, but would you ever think if you were a long-standing KISS fan that a Greatest Hits record was going to open up with a non-makeup era song, let alone Crazy Crazy Nights? Uh, I certainly didn't think so. Then it follows up with Rock and Roll All Night, I Was Made for Loving You, God Gave Rock and Roll to You Too, That ends side A. Then side B, you have Detroit Rock City, Beth, Lick It Up, Heaven's on Fire, Tears of Falling. Then side C opens up with one of my favorite all-time Gene tracks, Unholy, followed by Hard Luck Woman, Psycho Circus, Shout It Out Loud, Calling Dr. Love, and Christine 16. Then you get side D, which opens with Love Gun, obviously a great side opener. Shandy, a remastered version of I'm a Legend Tonight, which for anyone who, like me, was not able to pick up the Kisteria box set with the exclusives, it's cool to hear something from the newer edition of Killers, remastered here on this KISS world. I would have picked a different song from Killers, you know, Nowhere to Run comes to mind, but I'm a Legend Tonight is a good second place song on that Killers compilation for me. And then, as mentioned before, Modern Day Delilah is the fourth track on Side d and naturally it ends with a song from the follow-up album to Sonic Boom, Monster, with Hell or Hallelujah. So, this one is around $20, $22 maybe on Amazon for the black vinyl, or if you so choose to try to find the Sound of Vinyl, Double Vinyl, Yellow with Red Splatter edition. That one goes for a bit more these days on discogs and so let's move on to the last record now as i mentioned before joey likes to talk about you know what's the white whale records that you're looking for what are those elusive records that you haven't been able to get your hands on well my hands are on it right now and it's one of the records that i had in my initial childhood collection of kiss records that i had mentioned before were handed down to me by My brother and uh, my cousins, Michael and James. My cousin Frankie as well. This record I'm holding in my hand was actually a birthday gift from my girlfriend, Teresa, which I can't thank her enough again for this. It's something that I had talked to, to Joey about just recently and told him that, well, no more White Whale on this one. And so for KISS fans, it's the debut album from KISS, And it is the first pressing without Kissin' Time. As I said before, I had a copy of this in my initial childhood collection. It was beat up to hell. I still remember the cover was not fully closed. Uh, The top portion of it was ripped. I mean, the top seam was ripped, so you could practically open the whole entire thing. And the record wasn't even in a sleeve. I remember... The introduction of Black Diamond would skip at the same part. It'd be, out on the streets for a living. Pictures only gone, gone. <laughs> I still remember this very, very vividly. So, to say I'm ecstatic to have a near-mint vinyl copy of this, not so much with the cover. The, the cover is definitely like a VG+. Plus grade on Discogs, and just by looking at it, it really is a nice copy. I've played this a couple of times already since I received it in the mail, and just couldn't be happy enough to, to have this one back in my hands. I did pick up a second pressing back at the 1995 New Jersey Kiss Convention, so I do have a copy with Kiss in Time, and now having both pressings, you could really tell the difference when you listen to side B of the first pressing and side B of the second pressing with kiss in time added for obvious reasons. You add another track, so some tracks are going to have to suffer. The introduction of Black Diamond on, on the second pressing is notably different, and you hear a little more of the inner groove distortion versus the original copy where there is no kiss in time and it leads off with deuce. it. I don't really want to go too much further. I think we've gone pretty long here for an initial debut episode and, and just giving you all an introduction as to who I am and how I came to be the music and vinyl fan that I'm surely going to continue to be until I'm no longer of this earth. And so I thank you all for listening. I look forward to providing more content and interacting with all of you and With that, I'm going to say goodbye, and thank you all for tuning in here on CNJ Radio, and we'll see you next time here on I Am Vinyl on CNJ Radio.